This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to a new episode of The Low Show. I'm your host, Lo Von Rumpf. All right, I just have to jump into today's episode because I'm so excited. It's the most important guest I'll ever have on The Low Show. She's my confidant, my mentor, my best friend, my freaking life coach most days of the week, and definitely one of the only people I trust implicitly on this planet. It's my mama, the queen herself. She is back for another episode of The Low Show. Very special guest. So, I'm happy to have her because I know it's not easy to get her. One, she's a busy queen. You know, she's a busy bee doing her thing, living that entrepreneur life. But two, I know that she's very guarded. And I've said that on previous episodes. She's very shy, extremely introverted and guarded. And rightfully so. She's very protective of her heart. And under the circumstances and life situations and obstacles and adversity that she's faced, I understand why someone in her position is very guarded. And the idea of going on a public platform like a podcast could be very difficult for her. It is very difficult for her. Yeah. She really has to psych herself up to come on an episode. And for the first two that she did, which they're my favorite episodes, and I've told you guys some of the highest downloaded episodes I've had, top three, uh, two of them being her episode. So it resonates with people. So I know psyching herself into coming on to another show today uh, took a little bit of convincing. But I have to say thank you to my low life listeners. You guys listen to her episodes. If you haven't had a chance, there's so much wisdom and vulnerability and wonderful life lessons in those episodes. Uh, But the response was overwhelming. So many people have messaged and it wasn't an easy topic that we covered on the last episode she was on. We were talking about child abuse, which is heavy stuff. And my mom never in a million years would think she'd ever be talking about that openly. I mean, even my own family was like, you got the queen to come on for another episode? Dang, like they're all surprised by it, as was I. But I want to thank you guys because you sharing your own stories. And I've gotten so many messages from people, beautiful messages, really opening up and sharing what you've gone through too. And it really goes to show that we're not alone in trauma. We're not alone in adversity and facing really difficult childhoods or making mistakes while parenting or even trying to navigate being a freaking adult. We're not alone in that. So I shared a lot of those messages with her and I feel like after she read them, it was definitely cathartic. And she realized that what she's saying and sharing her stories, it does resonate with people and it could help people in some sort of way. And people can relate and she should continue to do that. So I know, again, it's difficult for her to come on and be so open because, again, she she even says, like, I open myself up to like judgment and and people knowing about my private life. And for her request, I can't even mention her actual name on the low show. She's like wanting to keep it so under wraps, which is interesting about her, that the dichotomy of my mother, because there's two different sides. There's this strong businesswoman who speaks at national conventions. And I've, and I've seen her on that stage talking about all things business and entrepreneurship and finances. And, and, you know, and she's all about, you know, women in business and economic impact. And then if it comes to talking about her personal life, she's like, no chance in hell. So anyway, to get her on this 
pod is an act of God, and I'm so thankful to have her. And the conversation we have today is is so good. I just love it. I want to be very respectful of my low lifers' time. So every episode, I always promise you're going to get some sort of takeaway, a little golden nugget of wisdom. And on this episode, you will not be disappointed. My little Hispanic Yoda of a mother definitely has some great wisdom to share and some experiences that she's gone through, which shaped her parenting style, which shaped the type of woman she's become, and also impacted me, her son. So we go into that. She's vulnerable. She's open. And it's just a very raw conversation. We're at the kitchen table where she feels most comfortable, uh, where all of our most intimate conversations take place. So yeah, I'm hoping from this episode, you could have a few takeaways, a few little golden nuggets of wisdom. And also, this episode really celebrates being perfectly imperfect and, and being okay with that. So without further ado, let's just jump right on into it. So this episode, I'm breaking up into two parts. So there's part one of the conversation you'll hear today. Part two is next week. I love this topic. I love having this conversation with my mom. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So without further ado, let's just jump into part one, shall we? Start over. Okay. And I have a very special guest here starting from the beginning because my... Okay. <laughs> no, see, you're going to insult me again. You see what you're going to do? <laughs> I have the... Okay. This, you're the most requested guest here at The Low Show. Your episodes... I've done two episodes with you, and it, they are by far the most popular episodes of The Low Show. People absolutely loved them, myself included. I've listened to them a couple times over, and I've gotten such great feedback from the listeners. The Low Lifers are here for you, Queen. So that's our guest today. It's the Queen. Aw, thanks, everyone. So we're going to, okay, last night we had a nice family dinner. Oh, I loved it. So my cousin Steph came over and Stephanie and I grew up together. We've known each other since we were babies. It's on my, my father's side. Um, so Steph is one year older than I am and uh, she lives very close to my parents. So she came over and we had a nice little dinner. We had taco night, taco tacos. My mom made ground beef tacos. We did cebolla, bell pepper, oh, the onion, bell pepper, a garlic, salt, pepper, uh, there's a lot of flavor that goes into your ground beef tacos. And then she fries up the shells in an air fryer now because we're going healthier we're options. trying to learn. <laughs> I love the air fryer. Yeah, I do. It's changed my life. Sometimes you want the taste of grease, but... Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't. I wake up with freaking acne in the morning. I like... I like an air... On your lip. <laughs> I know. Uh, ew, no. I like an air fried taco. Uh, so we had air fried tacos and then you made fideo, mm -hmm. which is basically spaghetti for Hispanics. It's a, a long, thin angel hair like pasta with like a what? A tomato, spicy tomato sauce. Yeah, it's a short noodle, a thin little short noodle like rice, but bigger. No, it's tiny. like this. No, they're like the length. They're like four inch. They're longer. What fideo are you eating? I had the one last night. No, it's like it's like a an inch. They're little cut short little mm. noodles. They're good. I love them. Yeah. I so prefer you do it with chicken broth and tomato sauce, onions, bell peppers, and some seasoning. I yeah. bring it to a boil and then let it simmer out. It's very good. Mm -hmm. I prefer conchitas or conchas, the yeah, little. Yeah, noodles. I love good. shell noodles. It's basically the same sauce. It is. Yeah, just, just a noodle. different noodle. So we had that and tacos, and then I put a little pickle in my taco. That's my new thing. If you guys haven't tried, Putting, uh, my mom hates it. 
She thinks it's a disgrace to... It's an insult. But I love the flavor because... Okay, but before you judge, it needs to be a Clausen pickle. Let it get room temperature. Let that pickle rest on the counter while you prepare the rest of your food. And uh, you do basically the ground beef, a little bit of Clausen pickle, sharp cheddar cheese. It has to be sharp. That's mm-hmm. the best flavor with it. A little bit of hot sauce. I like Cholula or Tapatillo or something. And then uh, some lettuce on top of that. And the pickle, of course. And um, I'm licking my chops. <laughs> what are you I'm doing? salivating. Not you. Wipe I'm your mouth. I'm salivating. I'm salivating <laughs> just thinking about it. That was such a good dinner. God, You're I love <laughs> What is wrong I started with getting, you? I started getting all hot and bothered God, thinking about your, your tacos. Your eyes got all dilated. They're so good. Yeah. That taco. Oh, my God. I had what? three tacos and, of course, a, a bowl of warm Hispanic food for the soul. Mm-hmm. But what's really nice is I love our little quarantine family unit. And I have uh, my mom and dad, of course. My padrino, which is my godfather. And he's the Ro-ro. one. Yeah, Roro. He'll be on the podcast, too, I'm sure. He's very quiet, but he's a soulful man and has a lot to say when he finally opens his mouth. <laughs> and uh, Steph, she's, she's, oh my God, she's a sister to me. I just yeah, love her. she's precious. And she has a son named Damien who's addicted to technology. He's not addicted. He mm. loves technology. He loves gaming and stuff. He's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. It's a tough age to be. So anyway, she came without him. And uh, it was just us hanging out at the table, shooting the shit and talking. And it's nice because we started talking about lessons learned. Steph started it off because she had a previous relationship, her ex-husband, and she was kind of talking about, you know, going back into the dating world and all that and lessons she learned from her first marriage. And she got married very young. And Steph's, uh, I'm 31, Steph's like 32. So she was going into that. And then, of course, my little Hispanic Yoda of a mother, <laughs> the queen, gave her two cents in to what she's experienced she in life. me. <laughs> as she should. We were just all talking. Yeah. And I, but yeah, I, we're just talking about lessons learned. And... I get why whenever we want to podcast together, you like it at the kitchen table. I understand why, though, because that's where it all goes down. Yeah, we have like 30 years of memories here. Over 30 years of memories. Yeah, this My is God. always where we've always come to talk, cry, laugh, yeah. grieve. Yeah. It always seems to be around a meal. Good and, food and, a, yeah. and good conversation. Always. And music. That, oh, that's what I wanted to ask my listeners, mm-hmm. too. So I have... Okay, Queen, did you know this? That I have to have music at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. I grew up that way. Yes. That was big in your house. Mm-hmm. Growing up, always Bee Gees, Michael Jackson, Tina Marie, Diana Ross, the Carpenters sometimes. Mm-hmm. She threw in that once Inglebert in a while. Humperdinck. Oh my God. Yeah. An oldie, but that's my dad likes all that old stuff. Tom Jones. Isn't that so cute that you don't, you, I don't, did you always love that stuff? Yeah. My mom was a big fan of Tom Jones. But you married a man who was like, he is Inkelbert. Yeah. My dad's a young man. My dad's only what in his early fifties. Yeah. But my dad's musical taste is, but you would think if you saw my dad's playlist of what he likes, you think my dad was around 87. Uh, my dad loves the old stuff. My mom is definitely a child of the 80s, like right. love all that kind of music. But anyway, I grew up with music constantly at, at the table in the house. Always, no matter what time I come over in the morning, first thing my mom does when I spend the night, I love watching her little routine. So cute. But first thing she does, besides opening all the windows, she likes everything to be fresh air, 
turn all the lights on in the house. Every light is it's nice and bright and the music comes on and she's usually playing probably Michael Jackson or Janet Jackson first thing in the morning. We're talking like 7 a.m. Boom. Control. Like Janet Jackson <laughs> control album or something. And then when we are cooking in the kitchen for dinner, always music. But it wasn't until I started making friends, specifically my white friends, that I'd have dinner with them and they're like, why are you putting music on? They were surprised by the fact that I'd put mm -hmm. music on. It's not a very common thing. Then I started noticing that. Like I had dinner with Caitlin and Jason and they're like, oh, we didn't grow up with music at the table. We, we were told no music at the table and you have to have conversations. Uh, and it's kind of like impolite to put music on. I can't even get through a dinner in silence. If I hear people on the plate and stuff and, and eating and chewing, it gives me, it grosses me out. Mm -hmm. We always have music, just even if it's background music. Yeah, I'm not talking loud music. It's like yeah. softly in the background, but something's always playing. Unless we're having company over, we tend to turn it up. <laughs> it tends to be more festive. Oh, yeah. It's never yeah. off. Mm -hmm. If company's over, it's turned up a couple up decibels. A couple yeah, it's a little party, a little fiesta. Yeah, I don't know why. Did you grow up with music at the table with, with Nana? Um, No, my, my mom loved music and we listened to music, but no, it usually was a TV in the background or there was always some type of noise. Yeah. And like even when I go to sleep, there's always like a fan on. I hear the background noise. Fan. Yeah. I, there's I always a background noise of something. Um, yeah. And then as I got older, I just, I don't know. I just love music. We turn it on. It's and, always on. Oh, yeah, Selena too. The, Selena yeah, Quintanilla. Yeah, created the ambiance. That's and... like, that's actually Selena Quintanilla's live album. I think that's the soundtrack to our dinners and any yeah. family event. It's on repeat Selena album over we, and over. We wore that out. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, we played it yesterday during yeah. taco night. We're still playing Selena. I know. All right. We'll be right back. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little bit more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over one million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I'm excited to have Nutrafol as a sponsor because I use it. I love it. I'm a big fan of this company. I've noticed a big difference in my skin, nails, hair. Even my sleep has improved since I started taking this. Now I have the queen taking it too, and it has been a game changer for her hair. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. I'm all about leveling up with my lowlifers this year. As a fashion stylist, the first place I want to start, of course, is leveling up your closet. But I don't want you to break the bank. You don't got to spend a lot of money, honey. Design on a dime, boo. You can still elevate your closet on a budget. We want you to save some money here. So I'm happy to have Quince as a sponsor. They are here for us. They're going to take good care of us. At Quince, I get high-end, versatile pieces at affordable prices. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Oh, they're amazing. I bought these beautiful silk pillowcases for my bed. I got a cute jacket, a cozy cashmere cardigan, and navy blue joggers. 
I'm obsessed with. These are staple pieces for my closet that will not go out of style. And I was able to save some money. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash lowlife for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash lowlife to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash lowlife. I love me a good edible moment. I talk about it all the time on this show. And so I was so excited that Via became a sponsor of the Low Life Podcast. Oh, this is a dream partnership because I love their edibles. They're so delicious. And they're coming on right in time for Valentine's Day. Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. We're talking about pairing aphrodisiac herbs with a mild amount of THC. Their best-selling High Love gummy will awaken your senses, increases the blood flow, and intensifies any sexual experience, even if it's a solo experience. It's going to be amazing with this gummy. The strawberry-flavored one is my favorite. They're vegan. Organic ingredients are used. They have zero THC products as well. So if you're not down for THC, that's okay, boo. Their CBD line is amazing too, which is really great for sleep, focus, and energy. Their products range from 2 milligrams to 50 milligrams of THC, so there's definitely something for everybody. My favorite part about this sponsor is that they ship to all 50 states legally with discreet packaging directly to your door. It makes it so easy breezy for you. No medical card required. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code LOWLIFE to receive 15% off plus one free sample of their Sleepy Dreams gummies. 21 and over. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com and use code LOWLIFE at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. And we're back. Well, while we were enjoying our little family dinner, having our tacos, uh, listening to Selena and shooting the shit, my mom came up with a really great idea, and I finally have been able to land her, book her for this podcast. Why do you make me sound so difficult? You are the most I'm difficult not, no, guest oh, here we go. I've ever had. The most difficult. I really hope people don't listen to you. They now I'm a truth teller. That is not a truth teller. The moon has oh, to be summer here. solstice. It needs to be the perfect Over your anus. Perfect. <laughs> everything has to be in alignment. Her anus. For you to want to be on the podcast. But everything has lined up. All the oh, stars. Get out of here. And you're rested and <laughs> you feel rested. good. So now we can do a podcast together. But I do like the idea you had last night about she said, why don't we do a podcast about lessons learned? There's so many episodes I want to dive into with you, but I like that lessons learned because I've learned a hell of a lot in my 31 years on this. Mm -hmm planet and you have some great lessons you've learned too so i want to dive into that today well we're lessons talking with learned. Steph about um. <laughs> she was going through as a parent and it just kind of evolved from that like oh my god the lessons we learned if only i knew you know in my earlier years what to expect it would have maybe come out a little different so that's what brought it up yeah. i thought oh what a great idea because everybody has lessons learned to share yeah. everybody and it's interesting because when we were talking last night, there was one thing that was brought up and we were talking about who you're, who are you more like? So Steph is a lot like her mom and she definitely, she's a good combination platter, but definitely leans more towards her mom's personality. My aunt Lulu, who's a literal angel. She's the sweetest, uh, but she's spicy. Lulu has, she is spicy. She's, she's bold and she's spicy. Mm -hmm. uh, so Steph, has so many of her mother's traits. And then, of course, we start talking about who am I like? 
And I feel like I'm a I'm a good mashup of both you and dad, but I definitely think I lean more towards your personality. So that being said, I guess because I'm I would be considered more outgoing or outspoken. Uh, I really don't shy away from talking about anything. And my dad's more reserved and quiet. And my mom is more outspoken. So people think. And that's when it came up when stuff's like, oh, you're just like your mom because you're so outgoing and and you're loud and you you're always laughing and, and making jokes and you're just like your mother. Well, she said you you have a lot of my aunt in you because you're you're outgoing, you're fun and very assertive and bold and bold and, and don't and... take shit from nobody. Yeah. And I don't see that. You don't see that. Well, I never saw that in myself. Oh, well, that's no, that's OK. Well, you took the punchline. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> and Steph was surprised. She's like, my aunt's always been that way. But you at your core, you are not that person. Yeah. People think you are, though. Perception is everything. And most people who have been introduced to you or in your life would look at you like an assertive, bold, very outgoing person. Little do they know. Well, the low lifers know. They know it all. But you're extremely reserved, very shy. And a lot of it has to do with your past. And it explains so much. But I want you to get into that. So lessons learned. I'll give one of mine. You give one of yours. I'm going to start off with you, Queen. What's a lesson learned for the Queen? Hit oh, you it, want queen. me to go first? Sure. It's. I mean, Queen's first. A lesson learned. Let's give a lesson from like, God, because I want to do a whole series on lessons learned. But let's start off with just lessons learned in, go with like late 20s. That's, let's... a That's a nice soft spot. Most of my listeners are between the ages of 20 and 50. So let's just go right in the middle. When we were talking with Steph, you know, we we're talking about the challenges of, of rearing our children. And I was saying that I think that as you navigate through all the stages of your life, whether it be the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s now, um, the lessons, the challenges, your ups, your downs, um, the tears, successes, all the highs, lows, everything and everything in between all really kind of create consciously or even subconsciously who you are and then ultimately how you parent. And it's really interesting with children because at whatever age they are will kind of trigger um, memories or things in you, whether you realize it or not. Like as you're raising me, it's yeah. triggering something within you. Yeah. Like things at two years old or at five years old or at eight years old. Like you have a 10. flashback. Yeah, like it's if I have a tantrum, like you remember having a tantrum. It's like your subconscious and your biases and mm -hmm. things that you perceive that you should be doing kind mm -hmm. of manifest itself out. That it's just natural. God, parenting is so intense. It can be intense. It is intense. It's a wonder. It's a wonderful thing, and it's a challenging thing. But I've always said that parenting always brings out the best in you and the worst in you, but ultimately the best in you. You know, the lessons and the challenges, the pain, the ups and downs, highs, lows, and everything in between all that grief, joy, everything, um, it, it all shapes who you are, whether consciously or subconsciously. It sure. just does. It's all in there woven into who you are as a person. L last night you were talking about how there are different stages in parenting of like ages, of course, of the mm -hmm. child, and it like triggers your past. Yeah, because I think that when you have children, 
it's kind of like um, every age that they're going through is going to trigger something of you in your flashback of that age. You know, like at two years old, you're going to remember things of you being maybe two or three or four or, and I think that was why like in um, young adults, you know, you're going to get pregnant if your mom was someone who ended up like my mom was an early. Oh yeah. Someone Nana was pregnant at very early. 50, 16 years old. Yeah. So that was her biggest fear for me at 16. So Getting she overcompensated up. and, you know, and, and I think sometimes we overcompensate because we have that tucked away in us as a subconscious that it's going to happen to us, our child. So you transfer, you become overprotective or whatever it may sure, be. Sure. And, and I think that, you know, everything that's happened to you younger years leading all the way up into young adults. And whenever you do become a parent, even if you're not a parent, just everyday life, you're ultimately shaped. And I think, you know, by things that have happened to you, you've become marinated, seasoned like our tacos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you've become marinated that way. And so I think that your past can become, like I was telling Steph, your past could become your secret weapon. You know, and that's how I chose to use it. It's, it's giving me depth or understanding or, you know, wisdom that maybe I shouldn't have yet, but it befell me. So now I can, you know, teach people younger or older than me what's happened. Yeah. Um, and it could also cripple you if you're not addressing it. So as we're talking about parenting, I was saying that children have this uncanny way of holding a mirror up to you where your strengths or your weaknesses are just glaringly in front of you because kids are so honest and they say what's on their mind. And, and they're bringing out different sides of you. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I was part of the latchkey generation. So when we were talking about things that we would do differently. What the hell is the latchkey generation? Well, <laughs> see, that's how far it's been. Our what generation was latchkey was meaning we kind of, we, we were home and we let ourselves in the door. We didn't have the two parent household you know, our parents were either working and we were home alone. So we didn't have... Is that kind of like Z generation, X generation? Is that kind of the same no. thing? No, it's just... Is this a, a term that I should know? Is this like a psychological thing? No, it's just... Referring to people? Am I so in the dark? No, you're not in the dark. You have your Z... Those are years of ages. I'm just saying during the 70s, especially during the 80s... That was the common thing. That was a common theme where they a would phrase, say you're... We're part of term. the latchkey generation, meaning... We had either a single parent household or it was if you had a two parent that were out on the workforce. And so we were kind of self-parenting a lot. Mm. We had to, you know, we kind of picked ourselves up by our bootstraps. And so like for us, if we got home, we we were playing outside. We just kind of managed ourselves out there, get outside and play. And then you could come in for dinner. Um, you kind of self-entertained. We didn't have the video games as much, especially in the 70s. Um, they sent you out of the street to play. They sent you out to hang out. You know, we certainly didn't have like GPS and stuff to state our whereabouts. We were just out. And so whatever happened to us out there, we kind of relied on our own gumption to get us through it. And so that's why I was telling Steph, I think, you know, we kind of were left to figure things out and handle things as they came. So if there were bullies or people were saying mean things to you or insulting you or making fun of you, you certainly didn't run home. Chances are your parent wasn't home anyway. You're home yeah. alone. You know, we kind of, like Sad. we said, we raised ourselves a lot. So, 
you know, whether some what kids we're... still have to do that to this day, but absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and it is tough. And so we kind of figured things out on our own. And even if I had been bullied or if I was out or people said really hurtful things, I certainly wasn't going to come home and tell my mom she was working two jobs. You know, I didn't want to bother her with that. And even if I did, she would say, well, are you those things? Well, then don't listen to it. Oh, like if people were calling you names? Yeah. Someone said, oh, she's a slot. <laughs> you yeah, know, or well, she's stupid. Or she, no, not a slut. No, or, I'm saying she, she would ask that. Well, oh. Are you a slut? <laughs> and you'd say no. I thought no. you were asking. I'm like, no. You weren't. <laughs> no, no, no. So I was just saying that if something wasn't going right at school or, you know, we faced our fears the best that we knew how or we relied on our friends. So that kind of collective wisdom was at this level of maturity. It wasn't that we had the mentors above us to say, you know, don't right. do that. So that is what I was saying is that if you got knocked down, you learned to pick yourself back up and you just kind of felt that you learned your way through school. And, and I look back and think, you know, and I was fine for it. Yeah, it sucked. It wasn't that great. But now as an adult, you know, that was just childhood. And I mm -hmm. picked myself back up. So as I looked back, I started realizing how much that shaped my parenting style and all my parenting decisions. And so when I was thinking of lessons what learned, I would do different or lessons learned. You know, there's a lot of good things I did as a parent, but then there's things that I'm not so proud of. Really? And yeah. Like what? Well, I just think that you would change some things in your parenting. I think you were yes. a great parent. No, phenomenal. I... I'm very happy with your parenting. No. <laughs> I do say so myself. No, I, I. There's a couple things I would have changed. Okay, thank you. <laughs> a like... couple things. No, but first I'm... thing, can I say one? Yes. One thing I would have changed was. Uh, I would have changed uh, the fact that this isn't a deal breaker for parenting, but you didn't introduce me to vegetables. <laughs> and what a disservice to me is that I was lucky I am alive today because you didn't have vegetables. My mom's you had corn. My mom's idea carrots. of vegetables. You'll have a little occasional salad. That's only if dad really forces it down. But your idea of vegetables is more like rice, beans, and corn. That's it. That's what I knew. I, I don't know why. Potatoes. <laughs> I like vegetables as long as they're cold. What cold vegetable do you eat? Celery. I've never uh, seen that carrots. happen. Carrots, sure. Cucumber. Oh, yeah, you do love cucumber. Sure. But I didn't grow up eating vegetables. And so, I mean. I don't know, because we grew up eating, I don't know why. Because you're Hispanic and all you bait were beans and rice. Yeah, we did green beans, but inside the, the meat. So you didn't even know you were eating vegetables. Green beans. Sure. You put those right inside your picadillo and you didn't even know you were eating them. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. picadillo is like. Cactus, a, you ate nopales. Oh, I love nopales. Okay, there. Take it back. But you the, ate vegetables. Barely. There was two. Those are two dishes you make, but they're in a heavy gravy with a lot of steak, <laughs> potato, and sauce. And it's like, you don't even know what's in there. It'd be freaking otter meat. No one knows what's in that. Mystery meat. Yeah. But anyway, besides that, five stars, queen. <laughs> I think you're a great parent. But it, I'm it's, learning to I love, I don't I love that you're, vegetables. <laughs> you don't like, you're a very picky eater. I am a picky eater. The most pickiest of eaters I've I ever am. met. But yeah, my mom would have me sit at the table and she would, especially when she started learning to make American food. White people oh, food. Oh my God. 
That, that was, was the worst. Oh, cute because that was the age of like the TV dinners. Yeah, we'd get the TV like dinner. Meatloaf and mashed potatoes. I know and... your listeners out there will remember the Hungry Man or Vandy Kemp TV dinners. Oh, yeah. yeah you get the one piece of chicken, the applesauce or the brownie. <laughs> yeah, that TV was a big dinners. deal. Yeah, that was a big deal for us. But when she started learning to make Anglo, she didn't, she didn't know it enough to make it good. So like her spaghetti still tasted spicy. So yeah. it wasn't quite spaghetti. It was spaghetti hot. Yeah. <laughs> it had a lot of chili and Mexican so, spaghetti. Yeah, it wasn't really spaghetti. And then she learned about spinach and all that, but it wasn't fresh spinach. It was a can. And then she would heat it up and put it on your plate. Like I learned from friends at work to eat spinach. Oh, that's it was cute. so gross. It was so gross. So, so you were scarred by vegetables. Oh my God, I was scarred. I would sit at the table and just cry. And she wouldn't let you get up from the table. That was one thing in our household. You had to eat your meal. No ifs, ands, or buts. Mm. So everybody would be there. Everybody would, would scarf it down, and I would sit there. Stubborn. Stubborn. And then it'd be 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and I would still be sitting there. 11 o'clock, my face is down. I'm sound asleep at the table, and she'd finally let me go to bed. And then I'd get up in the morning and be waiting there for me. <laughs> You're eating your vegetables. So maybe it was Oh, my God, really? Oh, yeah. She didn't mess around. You had to eat your vegetables. She'd put them in the fridge mm -hmm. and then you'd wake up in the morning and have those nasty ass mm -hmm. green beans or spinach for breakfast. Mm -hmm. She wanted you to eat oh your vegetables. Oh my God. That's like Joan Crawford, Mommy Dearest. She wanted you to eat your she vegetables. She would do that to Christina And she was Crawford. trying so hard. And and I, I, we kept saying, who are your friends at work teaching you these gross things? That's when you first started to not trust white people. <laughs> That's not true. Your white friends. <laughs> no, she was just learning all these Americanized foods. And yes. there were, she just was not good at cooking it like the fried chicken or the ham she would take the ham but just douse it in tons of honey and brown sugar so it was delicious. almost became a candied yam it was just that's candied. not bad no but it was very sweet yeah so i remember when i got married they're like what the heck are you putting all over your ham it's supposed to be a smoked ham i go oh no it's a canned ham with a ton of honey and a ton of pineapple that's and brown sugar that sounds good it was really yummy. Yeah. I'm mean, too embarrassed to eat it now because they say, no, you're not buying a can down. <laughs> a Dubuque. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. Is your New Year's resolution to find time-saving solutions so you can spend less time doing things like grocery shopping and more time with your little one? As a busy parent, I'm always looking for products and brands that will make my life easier. What is one change that's easy to make that will make your life easier in 2024? Little Spoon. Little Spoon delivers fresh, healthy meals and snacks that your kiddo will love for every eating stage. Little Spoon is a one-stop shop for healthy, easy mealtime and snack time for your baby, toddler, and big kid delivered right to your door. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Time-saving and convenient without compromise. Little Spoon delivers baby blends, biteables, plates, smoothies, snacks, and lunchers. Kids love it, and you will too. It's all so fresh, so delicious, and made with the cleanest, high-quality ingredients. Did I mention it all comes right to my door? So flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. I pick the menu and change it up what I order every time. The price is right, the quality is unmatched. I love it, my kids love it, the grandparents love it, and I know all you lowlifers will love it too. A huge win-win-win for my family, and it can also be for yours. 
Simplify your kiddo's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash lowlife and enter our code lowlife at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, and we're back. Besides vegetables, though, there's not many things that I would want to change. I, I think you're a phenomenal mom. No, there was a lot of things what that are you I ta- did. What? I think as, as parents... I'm the kid, and I'm like, <laughs> no. But I will say, though, it is beautiful that you can be self-reflective and look back, even though mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't change anything about you as a parent. I'm very proud of the parent that you are, and I love you yeah, I so mean, much. I, I worked really hard, but and I, and I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget how that I wanted to tell you this, is what? that... I realized that our generation, like I said, was latchkey. We kind of self-managed and self-raised, not through any fault of our parents. You know, they were trying to make ends meet. Some people were trying to make it to the top. We were just trying to make it through the day. And and that happens yeah. to a lot yeah. of us. And that still happens to a lot of us right now. What I'm trying to say is that as children, we kind of went out there and you know, dealt with life. So we would play outside. If we got bullied, we got bullied and all that. And you just moved on. And and we came across saying, you know, I was not scarred through my childhood or whatever. What I realized in the parenting, when I reflected back, and, and I remember when this happened, is when you talk about your bullying. Mm. And I started really thinking about that because I think that I realized that even though I felt that I had moved past anything that may have happened in childhood, like bullying or things, name calling and all that, you can't ignore the language of childhood environments and, and you never really shake it off. And so what I was trying to say, and hopefully I can express this correctly, is that when you were in school or when you were out or when you were doing things, and people made fun of you and you kind of picked yourself back and you shrug, shrug it off and you move on, you know, and if I were to tell my mom, oh, you know, I had a bad day, mom, you know, she called me, you know, she said I was stupid or she said, you know, a derogatory name about my ethnicity or she said I was ugly. Nana did? No, if I was telling my mom that. My oh, mom, about someone at school yeah, or someone who's right, bullying you. Right. My mom would always come back with, well, are you those things? No. Well, then don't worry about it. Then don't believe or find better friends or who you hanging out with or or whatever it may be. And so I went through, you know, life kind of moving through, you know, your fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and even through high school. But you got bullied, too, as a kid. I got bullied. But what does that have to do with you as a a parent? That's not a reflection on you. Those are bullies and the straights. Yeah. and And you think physical, but. I'm talking about no, physical, I was verbally yes. and physically bullied. Yes, but physical and verbally. And I and I went through it. You know, my brothers and sisters went through it. All my friends went through it. You know, it's a doggy dog world out there. And sure. But it's and you even see it. God, as sad as this is, you see it even in adulthood. You see it at work. You see it everywhere. It's not so much physical bullying, but it's words. Look at politics. It's yes. all bullying. And you see on Instagram, you and I read comments and stuff and I say, ouch, inside because I think, wow, 
people don't realize how much words hurt. And it's always a reminder for me to yeah. watch my words, to watch what I say. Words are powerful. To to be very, very good with the weapon of the mouth. <laughs> you know, and I tell you that the same thing. I always will tell you, watch what you say because it's a weapon and it's a very powerful weapon and you need to be, you know, you need to be responsible with your words. But going back to, you know, lessons learned in, in parenting, I went through childhood and I went through young adulthood and I, I felt that I'd gone through everything, but it wasn't until you were in grade school and you were handling your early bullying years. And I remember feeling so bad now giving you the advice of, you know, Miho, hang out with nicer people or brush it off. You're better than that. Do you believe those things? You are not those things. I, I empowered you a lot verbally here. Yeah. And, and I strive to do that all the time, but I never asked, how do you feel? I was watching you and, and always giving you the solutions. Don't do that. Let me take you to lunch. You know, don't listen to them. You're better than I was always affirming, you know, doing the self affirmation, positive affirmation, of course. And it made me, and this is what I say, children have this uncanny ability to hold the mirror and they don't even realize it. It was at that moment, I remember your father was saying, you know, we need to toughen him up. He, he comes home, he seems upset and I'm glad that we're doing all this, but we need to toughen him up. We maybe meet, we need to teach him how to fight. Yeah. And I said, oh, I remember and, and that. Remember? And it was like, oh yeah, you should put him in karate. You know, football. Football. Let's, t let's tough him up and all that. And so we did. And we put you in football. I did karate. And, I did and football. And you did karate and you did football. But I started thinking, why? Like, why are we doing this again? And everyone's like, well, because you got to toughen them up. And I thought, but why am I preparing them for jail? <laughs> is he like prison life? If he's going for prison life somewhere that I don't know about, um, is he going to have a life in the streets? Like, why do I need to teach him to toughen up? Because that's just the physical part. But what the hell is happening with the emotional, the, the inside, the, the heart, the mind? And that's when I thought, wow, am I, am I unscathed from this? Because why am I giving him advice, you know, to shake it off and all that? That was given to me, but words hurt. And, and they start really shaping you. And that's when I realized that Every time you allow people to label you or you don't step up or you allow them to taunt you, um, they're going to shape you without your knowledge. You're mm, not giving them yeah. permission, but it's shaping you. And they're insidious in the way it creeps up, you know, on us. And it seeps kind of into your pore the way these words start kind of, kind of taking, I don't know how you word it, but they do start shaping how you feel. Even you if hear, you say you're letting it go. Even if you say you're letting it go, you know, because you realize that well, you especially start at that playing young age. small. And you'll see it because all of a sudden it's, you know, mom, I really don't want to be there at lunch. Can you come take me to lunch? Or maybe it's, I don't want to speak up in class because they're going to make fun of me. Or I better not wear this because last time I wore it, so-and-so laughed at me. Yeah. You know, or someone's constantly calling you a liar or stupid 
you know, a lot of things shrouded in shame. Yeah, that's all. A lot. That's all it is. That's all comes down to shame. Right. Right. Feeling shame. Right. And and you don't realize that it's happening. And so, I remember that I thought, wow, you know, I absorbed a lot of these words. I absorbed a lot of negative talk. And even though I felt I shook it off, maybe I didn't because maybe I'm playing it small. So how am I going to teach you to step up, not through physical violence, but intellectually to be able with the power of your mouth and your your words and your voice to stop? No one has permission to tell you who you are. And it was in that moment I thought, but why am I not speaking up? I need to speak up more. And it like was in, in your own life? In my own life, because I had to emulate that. So up until like third grade, I was extremely shy. But I remember physically teaching myself to speak up more, whether it be I don't like that, not in a grocery store, not at school. I was in college and I was so shy, I would sit alongside And I remember an instructor giving me an F because she felt I was never there. And I said, well, I just aced my final. What do you mean you're giving me an F? I've been here. Oh, she thought you were cheating because you weren't there? She said, you cannot just walk in on the final, expect to take an exam and get an A in my class. You have to have been here. I said, I've been here every single class session. And it was at that thought. I thought, wow, have I, have I played it small? Maybe. You know, yeah. I didn't realize that the childhood traumas that I thought I'd overcome have seeped into me playing small. And you know that poem I always keep in my purse? Yeah. Playing small does not serve the world. And in order for and you in to order shine. for you to shine, I needed to shine brighter because I had to put that light onto you so that you would learn by me demonstrating that it was safe and totally acceptable to stop people in their tracks who were maybe crossing the line and insulting you. And I also made the decision that, wow, I realized what was happening to you for the first time, that you were shrugging things off and letting things go. For sure. But you were playing small because you were starting to be like, oh, I don't really want to go to that. Oh, I don't really want to participate. I don't need to be student body president. I just want to do this. I still was student body president. That was in high school. But younger years, you were getting so many words, you were kind of shirking away from that. I was. I didn't want to have any involvement. Yeah. This was like kindergarten through sixth. Yeah. And so that's why I thought, you know, wow, this is a a huge life. I wish that I had learned this younger, you know, but it took you getting bullied for me to realize the trigger in me of, wow, you know, he's, he's becoming small and I'm not seeing it. I'm not asking him how he feels. I'm very supportive as a parent and I was there for you and I love you, but am I hearing you? Am I really getting to the depth of this? And I felt that that's something I should have done better. You should not have gone three years of bullying before I said, you know what? No, if this is not the environment for you, we're going to take you out and we'll go to another school. And then that's what we did. Six years. Mm-hmm. But the bullying was really your, you know. Kindergarten through sixth. Okay. It was six years. Maybe you feel worse. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the pills. <laughs> but I, no, I thought. It mean, well, I didn't really get that bullying. Well, no, I did. Kindergarten I didn't really, through sixth. I, I think I didn't really K even pick up on tough. it until like your fourth and fifth grade year. Yeah. Um, And that's when I thought, wow, 
that that's tough. And I think it's because that's when I realized that what I had learned in childhood of, well, I But why learned, would you take that and put it on you? Well, because I think I like, was I was you, transferring onto you that look at I grew up where we shook it off, you know, we didn't really have a parent that we could go and talk to and share the feelings, the emotional part of it. And that's when I think I realized that what I was doing was old school parenting mm -hmm. because I had survived, you know, being taunted and I lived to tell the tale and I was standing on my own two feet. And I thought I was teaching you to be resilient and to form your own sense of self-worth and, and to form your own opinions you know, about who you are and, and what you stand for. From the school of hard knocks. Yeah, but, you know, that was naive and, and really that was unfair. But what it taught me, and this is what's so fascinating to me about parenting, is that, yes, we put you into karate. Yes, we put you into football. And that does build character and teaches you um, confidence and to finish what you start and, and all of those things. A little teamwork. Yeah, it teaches you wonderful things. but. I needed to show you by example, I needed to emulate how to stop people, you know, to set limits and boundaries. Like we talked about in episodes before. With how friends. to set boundaries with friends, relationships. family, relationships, work, everything. So that's when I really pushed myself to speak up and, and talk and, and say no. And, and you watched me always. You were always watching. Watched you so, like a hawk. So close. To this day. And we knew. Do. And here's what's <laughs> funny. You know how we kind of go full circle about this lesson learned. And I really worked really hard on myself, knowing that as a child, especially through those formative years of, you know, one years old to eight years old are so formative for young children. I thought, oh, he's watching. And I'm just going to casually myself battle my own little demons and learn to set boundaries and, and be improve my own self-worth, so to speak. So we were at football practice and the whole family, you know, we always worked as a tribe. Everybody mm -hmm. was there. Yeah. Lulu and Robo and Seth, everybody was there. So funny. Even for practices, Nana, Lulu, everybody would come everybody out. Would like come. it was a game. <laughs> <laughs> and we were so supportive and you were yeah. playing football. You were the quarterback. <laughs> you were out there doing your thing. And I remember this is when I knew, ah, my son's arrived. The coach walked up to you and he His is... His name was actually Coach Lowe. Yeah, and he was... Coach oh, yeah. Lowe and Coach Kip. Yes. Total it dicks. Was Kip. Kip. Mm. Anyway. Big white dude, 6'3". Yeah, affluent. We were up, you know, in a very high league and all that, but... Oh, yeah, it was a rich-ass area. I yeah, played football but he in. came up to you... Bougie. And he was screaming and yelling into your helmet. You know, you were standing there and you had done a, a wrong play. And he's like in your face with his finger pointing, pointing down. And I know all of you guys out there know the little pop warner when you see the coaching screaming and yelling at the kids. Really, they shouldn't. But was, I forgot what I had done, but he was pissed. And he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. The wrong play. And I remember you took off your helmet and you looked up at him. You said, I don't appreciate the way you're speaking to me, sir. <laughs> And he didn't know what to do. Yeah. And I just remember dad and your uncle Roro going, oh, shit. <laughs> and that's when I realized, there's my boy. He found his voice. Mm. He's not small no more. <laughs> yeah. And from that point on. I never you, played football again. No, <laughs> you, you did. But did. you really started coming into your own. But I thought, oh, my God, it works, everybody. 
if you work on yourself as a parent, they're you're going to they're going to emulate you. And if we went somewhere and someone like even all the way up into high school, you went into your junior high years a lot more assertive and your self-worth was determined not by the exterior, but your own. And that's when I thought, you know what, this is good because I also felt that my self-worth was improved at the same time. Yeah. So it was kind of a life lesson. Learned you were for all experiencing of us. a lot of shit at work too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at that time, I mean, it was, you were, you've always been an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. uh, but that at, at that time. With but your I was own... working my way up the management and kind of navigating all of that. So, yeah. um, but anyway, that was a hilarious thing. And now everyone knows you as you're very outspoken. You say what's on your mind. <laughs> and I think God. I just, I just kind of lean back and smile. I think, yeah. I created yeah, that mess. Yeah. We, we <laughs> broke that old school parenting cycle. Yeah. Boom. That one is gone now too. And so, yeah, but it, it's a painful life lesson, I think, for all of us parents to learn is, is that children really do emulate everything you say and do. But if you want them to be that, you up your game and, and look at, look what happens. Yeah. Oh, all right. We're all perfectly imperfect. I love perfectly imperfect. We are perfectly imperfect. God knows I'm flawed. Oh, we all are. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Queen, I have more conversation that I want to have with you, but we're on the time situation here. Let's continue mm -hmm. this conversation. Can you come back uh, sure. next week and we could finish the convo? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to pick it up from next week. There's still more convo to be had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to leave it here. Leave it on a high note. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll be back with part two. Well, embarrassing for me as a parent, but I guess it's a high it's note. It's not embarrassing at all. I <laughs> Whatever. love it. Whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> all right. So we'll be back next week to continue part two of the conversation with the queen. Yeah, we do.